You love the pods? Then check out the Smods. CSmod.com gives you all the goods, all the deets, on all the live Smodco shows. Come say hi to J-Muse at the Gulf Coast Fan Fest October 13th and 14th at the Mississippi Coliseum and Convention Center. The Midland Center for the Arts in Midland, Michigan welcomes J-Muse and Silent Bob getting old on October 13th. Babylon in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Friday, October 19th. Island Con in the Isle of Wight, UK proudly welcomes Jason Muse October 20th and 21st. Edmonton, Alberta, an evening with Kevin Smith will be in you Sunday, October 21st. October 29th, Suquamish, Washington at the Clearwater Casino. Jay and Silent Bob are getting old. Jay Muse is going solo at the Stress Factory November 1st in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Kevin Ralph Babylon in Phoenix, Arizona, Saturday, November 3rd. Join Jay Muse and his amusing stories, Bridgeport, Connecticut, Sunday, November 4th. Jay makes a stop at Caroline's on Broadway, New York, New York, Tuesday, November 6th. Wednesday, November 7th, catch Jay at the DC Improv. Jay Muse stopping in Liberty, Ohio at the Liberty Funny Bone, November 12th. Tuesday, November 13th, Jay Muse and his amusing stories at the Columbus Funny Bone. The Cleveland Improv welcomes Jay Muse on Wednesday, November 14th. Jay will be stopping by the Chicago Improv on Thursday, November 15th. Hollywood Babylon in Napa, California, Friday, November 16th at the Uptown Theater. If you want to get old with Jay and Silent Bob in Modesto, California, come to the Mary Stuart Rogers Theater November 17th. Babylon in Oakland on Friday, November 30th with Kevin Ralph at the Esports Arena. Jay Muse makes a multi-show stop in Buffalo, New York at the Helium Comedy Club November 30th through Saturday, December 1st. Support the Smod Squad and check out a live Smodco show and snag your tickets now. All the links are live at csmod.com. Hit me! Episode 280. You've got to throw some cold water on this situation. Start talking about nerd stuff. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. System activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh ton cooler than your typical geek, giving you the info you need to achieve mega nerd status. Mega nerd status. NetHeads. 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 You guys rock. And now, here's Will and Trent. No one listens to the radio. I wasn't even listening. I was listening to podcasts. Podcasts are great. Radio's boring. Thank you very much, Tom Haverford. Uh, welcome, everybody. Another edition of NetHeads. My name is Will. Sans Trent today. He is on special assignment. Uh, actually, it's Wednesday night, so hopefully he's... Hosting his trivia at the Beehive Grill, I think is what it's called. But it doesn't matter because uh, every once in a while I get to do something that I like doing, which is getting to talk to people uh, that I know or that I'm interested in that do cool things. We've talked to Josh Stifter. Recently we talked to Rebel Stoke Jim, who I work with a little place called uh, Play TV. And it turns out that uh, one of the people that I used to work with there, I had I had seen, but I did not meet. And uh, it was uh, a few years prior at a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show showing in Sacramento, California. It was around the Halloween times. <laughs> And and two guys walked in with the most amazing guar costumes I never thought I would see in, in real life. And like I almost wondered, are members of the band here? But it wasn't the case. Uh, and and that leads me into a guy 
who I worked with at 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 Play Incorporated and Play TV, uh, as we talked with Jim, very much ahead of its time. Uh, but one of the people that worked there was the kind of person you need when you have uh, a venture uh, like uh, Play Incorporated and Play TV. Somebody that you could turn to and say, you know what we really need? We really need a some type of intergalactic space bar. And then suddenly somebody can actually make that. And that kind of person is our guest today, and it's it's only uh, fitting that he now has one of my favorite YouTube channels to watch, which is Odin Makes, and that person is Odin Abbott. Odin, welcome to the show. Hello, Will. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. It's for been the forever for, since I've been on your show. For the third first time. This is our for take. For the third first time tonight. Take three, folks. Uh, technical yes. things, it, which, which is yeah. sad because Odin is actually probably only within like 60 or 70 miles of me, but... You yeah, know, that. I'm not I'm not set up for for guests really. I'm surrounded by monitors and and not to mention seeing your your gorgeous workshop that we get to see on the show uh, is amazing. For the, and for those that don't know what I'm talking about, uh, hopefully you do on YouTube. Odin makes uh, and and what's the fastest way for them to find the channel? Is it just Odin makes or is it? Yeah, no, actually, uh, I I've got odinmakes.com and that redirects right to the YouTube channel. There you go, perfect. So you know Easy that's it. the most important part, folks. That's Do it. that and get that. But Odin was uh, Odin not only was a, a pivotal person in my view at play because he would make things and he would make make things happen. So if you needed something, he could fabricate it. And he actually made one of my first favorite desks I ever had back when I used to work in a garage, which was my own, uh, doing 90 minutes of original programming every weeknight on Play TV. Uh, and, and Odin, in one of the uh, failed intros, uh, you pointed out we've known each other for almost 20 years. So we're almost. talking about streaming live video in 1998. What the hell were we thinking? Yeah, streaming live video over 56K dial-up. Yeah. And this newfangled thing, DSL. Yeah, I was actually probably <laughs> one of the first people in my area to get DSL and it was because my it was only because my DSL was subsidized by Play Incorporated. Um <laughs> Right. Uh mine was not subsidized, but when I got mine installed in the area, I was also one of the first. And when I let the guy know that I was one of the guys that was in the line for Star Wars The Phantom Menace, which was a huge DSL test. He talked about all the training and all the, the details that they got as installers because of that six weeks of live video going out constantly from next to the, the man's Chinese theater, Grumman's, whichever it's called now. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. Phantom Menace. Yeah. Now, I remember we were, that was 1999. So we're God. Oh, my. No, I don't remember it, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So did what did play do some stuff in support of the line? Because I know they gave us yeah. the day off to see the phantom menace <laughs> they did uh we uh i had just gotten back to town because i got to drive the truck i was the lucky roadie truck driver from las vegas back to sacramento so it's 11 hour trip pull in we're unloading and the guys come to me and say hey we're going to work with the people who are doing this waiting in line for star wars thing we need you to load up a trinity and the globecaster and some cameras and drive down the hollywood and set it up and it's like okay when right now <laughs> No, like, no. Can I get some clean underwear first? No, afraid not. <laughs> you know, you can do laundry at the hotel down there. Uh, That's actually what happened. I ended up having to buy clothes once I got down to Hollywood. Holy moly, man. Oh, that is we brutal. We set up a pop-up tip. We had uh, Sony TRV900 DV cams. Everything was SD. 
we had the uh, the Trinity with the Globecaster card in it, so it still had the Trinity face, the blue and orange face. And uh, I think we had three cameras and lights, and got down there, set everything up. Uh, AT and T or whoever it was uh, set up a DSL line to the payphone that was right next to the souvenir store, <laughs> right across from like the Roosevelt Hotel, and um, we were we were streaming off the sidewalk. And after the first day, after everything was set up, it got to be about 3.30 in the morning. And everybody who was in line there, because there was like 40 people waiting in line already six weeks before the movie's going to come out. They all crawled in their tents and went to sleep. And standing there looking around going, here's all the equipment. Here's all the cameras. Everyone's in a tent. Yeah, what do we do now? Well, what do we do now? So I sat there with it, yeah, having not slept yet, having driven back from, you know, driven, driven, and driven. And then I called up the, the president, Paul, in the, in the morning and said, uh, this is what's going on. Everyone's going to sleep. I think you need me to stay here and be babysit this thing overnight. So I got I got paid to wait in line for Star Wars for six weeks. There you go. Not everybody does. So no. consider yourself lucky. <laughs> um, so, But that's just one of the examples of how much Odin was a team player. But uh, I think your ability... Uh, to learn and fabricate, in, in my opinion, is probably one of my favorite things. A lot of the items you were involved with uh, kind of translate now in a way to what you do with Odin Makes because um, a lot of it was uh, was visual effects and makeup that you would do yeah. for for play, for more more importantly for play TV. So get this, folks. I've <laughs> talked about this with Jim before, but let me just let me just set it up for you. And actually, I'll be able to show this equipment soon on the show. Uh, but imagine a gigantic blue box, because that's essentially what it was, like almost just a little bit smaller than a mini fridge. And it was Pretty actually much. it was actually a fully broadcast capable D1 switcher. This was before HD was a thing. And it was all of this, it, but it was also, interestingly enough, like one of the largest uh, dongles uh, you've ever seen because it would do a lot of the processing and the hardware. A lot of the ways now that we've got uh, the graphics accelerators that can operate separately, GPUs that separate, work uh, separately from your computer, this thing would do that. So all your camera inputs and eventually your audio would go into this. And so you'd have this full production switcher at your fingertips interface through a PC. Now, one of the genius things they did, and this is the whole reason why Play TV kind of spun up, they realized, well, wait a second, one of the things we've got is this, uh, I think it was the, the they did the video capture off the preview card, or I can't right, remember they, which one it was. They were able to grab a single field or frame of video from, yeah, either the preview or one of those. Exactly. Yeah, and then and, they realized, wait a second, we can capture this signal digitally and deliver it to an encoder digitally. And if we play our cards right, which they did with the codec, it would also, like, in my shot right now, uh, when you're watching the video, uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, sorry about all the video talk, uh, but, you know, there's a lot going on behind me. I've got the Avengers heads, I've got my daughter's painting, i got all these things behind me. And the smart thing that the Trinity would do to help optimize the bandwidth is it would not worry about updating any of the pixels that are behind me until something changed. So that way, then you you had all of your uh, all of your video basically. Uh, you had all your money showing, like everything was there in front of you. So you were getting uh, optimum delivery on the things you needed. So that's the reason why they spun up Play TV. They said, "Hey, we got this cool technology." A cool way to market it would to be to establish a, 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 our own streaming TV network. And this was at the time like around Heavy.com and other stuff uh, that was popular. Right. But it was still really hard to do streaming video at like 56K, especially yeah, when was... we 
had all the capabilities of doing things like virtual backgrounds. Like one of them, Kiki at midnight, like for the longest time, there were these massive lava lamps behind her. And and it's like that's a lot of movement updating on a fifty six k stream, you know what I mean? So oh yeah, it was. <laughs> but but you know you you did a lot of the uh, a lot of the sets. You did a lot of the costuming. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely what I would definitely call the makeup effects. I mean, I think there was one point I was turned into an alien. By you were you? turned into an alien. Yes, you were turned into an alien who needed to get uh, new hair using the Shatner hair system. Yeah. Well. And then you turned around, dropped your pants, and showed off all the hair on your butt that the Shatner hair system brought in for you. Wow. I, Boy, I, you know, <laughs> I'm starting to think certain memories are just blocked out for a reason. <laughs> um, but that was, uh, that was an interesting experience. And then um, what else? There was one other thing you did. Oh, well, being turned into an alien was probably the highlight. I think there was one day I was running around in one of your superhero costumes, too, for some reason. I don't know why. Probably. Well, they, they had me build one once to show off their green screen capabilities. So I made a, a yellow and red superhero suit so it didn't compete with the green. Exactly. And one day, I don't know why, but I was running around in that. I don't know. It, a lot of the times, it was a lot of the whimsies of other hosts for the things you would do. Uh, and a lot of my times, I would show up. Uh, I would process expense reports and then just jerk around the rest of the day till I would go home and do yep. my own show. And then thankfully, uh, the few times that I took a break, Odin would actually fill in as well. Yes, that was interesting. I got to drive down to your house from 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 Sacramento and and do your show for five nights. I did that twice, I think. Mm hmm. Two and, different weeks. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's real easy because ironically. I'm in the house now, and and you're the one that looks like you're in the garage. I'm guessing your workshop <laughs> is a garage-like environment. It is a garage-like environment. It's uh, it's a twenty by thirty space with a sixteen foot ceiling. But oh. it's it's from the camera's point of view, it kind of looks like a garage because uh, I'm only really looking at one corner. Yeah, exactly. But at least you got the depth going. Like right now, I've got the flat wall behind me, and I've been thinking about changing the angle for that. But a lot of the times I've watched Odin makes, and I've often wondered, is that the real background, or is that a still of the background that's being used as a virtual background? Is it always a natural background? It's always a natural background. I don't have any, uh, outside of my uh, promotional videos I do, I don't have any uh, green screen effects. Okay, very so, good. So no, all, all this is actually here, and, and all this stuff I've actually made. Each item on the wall behind me is actually one of my Odin Makes episodes. Yeah. I, each, I, each Odin Make episode is a lot like uh, a cooking show, but it's for cosplay props. So you start out with a piece of foam, and I'll show how to cut it up and how to glue it together and how to paint it. Then you have, you know, Captain America's shields or Rick and Morty's portal gun. And most importantly, though, like you mentioned with foam, you show us the economical ways to do this. Like, I can't I can't tell you how many things are like, oh, well, you know, I, I cut the I cut the top and bottom off of a two liter bottle or oh, I just yeah. I just happen to find a uh, like what was the handle for the Rick and Morty gun? Uh, it, the handle for the Rick and Morty gun was a whisk that I picked up out of a out of like a CVS pharmacy, just as a kitchen whisk, one of the cheap two dollar ones. Yeah, but the handle was perfect for it, and it and, was. and like people that are lucky enough to watch the video, like you can see the uh, the uh, uh, Avengers Infinity War, Captain America shields. Uh, also, I see. I think the first video of yours that I saw is the um, even though this may have been a DIY prompt shop, uh, it yeah, was. Some of these are. It was the incubator one for because oh. Pokemon Go was really popular at the time, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's up it's there, up there. It's, along with your alien, along with your alien chestburster recreation, the alien chestburster, which which was the one crossover video that I got to do between DIY Prop Shop and Odin Makes. I made the silver container on DIY Prop Shop, and then uh, 
did the the actual face hugger on uh, on Odin makes. Yeah. So now I guess the uh, the the first question that I have to come to because uh, I've already teed it up. You're a, a man of many talents, but <laughs> but how did you uh, finally make the transition between hobby slash uh, contract fabrication, if you will? to suddenly you're on YouTube making stuff? Um, well, play was a huge part of that, showing that I could actually do it, giving me the confidence. Uh, I was working with another friend on a show called Beyond Geek, helping him do stuff, and I met another person who was the sound guy for a YouTube channel called Smosh, and this was in 2013. They were still shooting in Sacramento at the time. So I went down to join them and ended up being in the art department, being in, in charge of the art department in a very short time. Uh, and that led me to doing DIY Prop Shop because uh, the same company, Defy Media, uh, they're also the same ones that have this little show called Mad at Arms, Mad at Arms. Um, the host that was doing that was going to be leaving. And so they needed somebody to come in to fill in. And I was already on the payroll. I was already a contractor with them. So it was an easy, easy thing. And I was able to deliver them finished episodes because I'm also a video editor. Ah. So I would I would build, shoot, edit. I, I had a cameraman for DIY Prop Shop. I, I do have cameramen on occasion. But I'm pretty much doing the whole thing by myself solo. And um, yeah, so I got to do like 13 episodes of DIY Prop Shop with them, which was very cool. Yeah, and I have to tell you, those videos and your Odin Manx videos, anytime, because uh, a lot of the time I'm sitting around and I'm doing audio processing, and and granted that's been cut down because of the improvements in technology, oh, but sure. I'll, but I'll still have times where I'm doing cleaning or uh, throwing a multi band con uh, compressor on something, or or many of the other little tricks of the trade that I do. And next thing you know, I've got six or seven minutes where uh, it's watching a green line, or I can watch Odin make something, and that's why. Uh, eventually, though, there will be that line of, okay, you've completely lost the fact the render is done, you're on your third video, get back on point, man. <laughs> um, but but I have to say, like, uh, recently, I think one of the ones that I was just mesmerized sitting there watching was you uh, recreating the uh, the soda or the uh, the shaving can from Jurassic Park for embryos. Oh. And, and that one was actually a really easy one compared. Like, it's like, okay, that's almost something I could probably uh, attack, but mm, I'm not so sure. But, okay, so you did 13 episodes of DIY Prop Shop, uh -huh. and then suddenly now you're Odin Makes, and it's your own deal. Yes. So what was it like spinning that up? Uh, wasn't that big of a deal. At first, I was using exactly the same set, so I had all the same... Um, all the same process. I was just, I had to make sure that I wasn't using any of the DIY prop shop music or graphics. Uh, it was interesting because I've made my first couple of videos, which was the, you know, Mario Kart shell and things like that. Stuff I'd made for Smosh. And I had like 19 views, 63 views, you know, weeks go by. And I just keep reminding myself, it's okay because I'm just starting. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I just knew that with, with, with the direction that I, I could infer from what i was seeing from the other videos from diy prop shop right because the uh the, the company was producing their own videos other than mine that it seemed like they were kind of winding down a little bit like uh like the the crew who was uh behind the scenes were being put onto other projects uh and so i really needed to get my sh my channel started while i was still had a crossover or else i wasn't going to get anywhere 
and funny to me, funny enough, I already had 63 subscribers with nothing on the uh, on my YouTube channel. <laughs> well, that's just because of DIY Prop Shop. <laughs> and, and you know, that's why I say you do us a favor for coming here because, honestly speaking, I mean that is that that low number with nothing is probably half of the number of people subscribed to. <laughs> Uh, the NetHeads uh, channel itself, but that's okay. We don't really push the video, and I'm not big. But what was your what was your first video that really hit big? Because you now now you have videos that easily cross a half million. Um, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, you're you're not mistaken. I've got some that are bigger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you'd, I didn't want to like talk about nah. size, but uh, <laughs> but what was your, what was your first one where you where it really hit? Where you're like, oh my, like the first one where you're like, holy smokes, I can't believe this many people have watched this. Uh, the, the first one that really hit was the alien face arc because, because DIY prop shop, the, the producer let me do a toss to my own channel. Uh, cause he had just done it for another artist named Hendo. She got to do one for her. So it's like, Hey, Michael, I want to do this. Yeah, sure. Uh, and that one went from, Oh, I have a, a couple hundred views. I have a thousand views. And then I did it and Oh, I've got 20,000 views. I've got 30,000 views. Yeah. And it's, and it's really, that was a huge ramp up right there. Um, I think the single biggest one that blew up um, on its own later on was probably Thor's hammer from Aven uh, Avengers Infinity War, right? Uh, Stormbreaker. Um, which, which by the way, could you, could you remind people what the majority of your props are made out of? The majority of my props are made out of foam. <laughs> Not only that, half the time he's pulling up foam, folks. That's the same foam they use for like flooring, interconnecting foam. It's like, wait yeah. a minute, I've seen those jagged teeth before. Yes, it's it's got the puzzle edge. I'm, I'm literally using the foam that you can purchase from Harbor Freight Tools. Uh, when you get it on sale, you can get a pack of four pieces of this foam for like six bucks. Uh, it's a very lightweight, soft EVA foam. It has a texture on one side. Uh, you can definitely get better cosplay craft quality foams from a number of online retailers, but this is just, you walk in, you buy it, you walk out, you open it up. It stinks like something horribly toxic and it's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> especially in your enclosed space, I'm sure. Especially in an enclosed space. Yes. <laughs> well, I was shocked, uh, on the same topic of Thor, but with Thor's, uh, hammer, the recreation of that, like it, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it wasn't that like several layers of foam made into a block and then shaved and shaped. Um, basically, yeah. The with Stormbreaker, it it I, I made uh, there was layers for the blade for the axe side, and then I kind of made a a box for the hammer side, and then a PVC for the handle with the owner, uh, which is way back there. Yeah, that's actually a pair of yoga blocks. Oh, that okay. I, that's that what I cut it was. Put together and then wrapped with uh, craft foam it to hide all the seams. Some of the some of the fun of watching those videos too is just like, wait a minute, how is how is that going to become this? I I think I see where he's going, but I have no idea. And then you take it in a direction where it makes sense. And I and the thing I love about your videos too is you honestly make me feel, even though there's no way I could, but you honestly <laughs> make me feel like I could make these things. Right down to the fact that you you even show it's like, well, I did this, but then it turns out that was a stupid idea. So then I did that instead, kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh, the mistakes are some of the best parts. Yes. <laughs> that's that's yeah. That's uh, I don't go out of my way to fabricate mistakes. Uh, but when something happens, I don't hide it. And a lot of the, and the one thing I've definitely learned, uh, from watching you is that, uh, 
contact cement is something you apply and then dries and then you join the pieces together. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, who friend Roger Rabbit lied to us when Judge Doom steps in all that caramelized glue? That's basically supposedly contact cement, but it's wet and it wouldn't do anything. You'd walk right out of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. If you, you're basically making two stickers. You let the contact cement dry and you're sticking two stickers together. Now, when it comes to, uh, obviously now you're, you're definitely what I would call established. So uh, <laughs> that means, um, when it comes down to doing this, you, you kind of need to find a balance between the things you want to make and potentially the things that may hit, if you will. So how do right. you determine what your builds are? Do you just throw them to the audience or to to kind of get a barometer on what people do want to see? Or are there certain things that you, like, you know, it's like we finally got a video, uh, a, a trailer for Captain Marvel. So do you suddenly right. look at that and then go, oh, wait a second, I got a few cool screen grabs of that. I could recreate that and I'd like to. How does it, how does it work for you? Uh, that's actually a lot how it works. Uh, in, in, in the case of the Captain Marvel trailer or, say, uh, Thor Ragnarok, because as soon as Thor pulled out his gladiator helmet and put it on, it's like, I'm making that. Um, and I kind of feel that way about Captain Marvel's helmet, but I, I need a little more angles of it in order to make that work. Um, there's a lot of that with knowing what is going to be a bigger film and what, what I might want to make. Uh, but I do toss it to the audience a lot. I probably let two-thirds of the things I build be voted on either out of the comments um, or most of the time it comes from uh, my Patreons because I've got a Patreon page as well. And I let them give me a lot of feedback. I've been a little quiet on Patreon recently, so I apologize to all of my fine people on Patreon. But uh, I do actually listen to them, and and I will pull from from their suggestions. Yeah, I'm starting. We uh, we've had a Patreon page for the longest time. We generally don't push it, uh, but it's NetHeads on Air if you want to see it, uh, or you could just go to NetHeadsOnAir.com and there's a link. Um, but I I do enjoy it because at least it allows me in some way to take the people that are more committed, if you will, than the average podcast listener. And right. they're now the people that I will serve first. So like the video, it'll go up unlisted on YouTube and then I'll put it on Patreon and the podcast will drop there at least a few days uh, before you, you get it through smodcast.com, which is stupid and pretentious from my perspective. Cause it's like, if you've got a gateway, like Kevin Smith's website, why are you putting it? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, I just enjoy it from the interaction standpoint and, and just knowing that there are some people that, that care enough, if you will, to do that. So that kind of adds something to me. So I, I, it's good to hear that you're doing that for your Patreon audience as well, especially considering the game changer that Patreon really is for, for people. But, but when it comes down to it now, uh, if you don't mind, cause I think one of the questions people always ask, uh, whenever they see anyone that's got a channel that's got some serious traction, um, mm -hmm. how is there actually any money in YouTube? Like, really? <laughs> uh, there still is. Uh, there was the adpocalypse. I had started just before or right around when the adpocalypse on YouTube happened and everything blew up and everything changed, I guess. I didn't really see it, so I didn't care. Um, at this point in time, yeah. I, I also have a day job. I, I work as a video editor at the local PBS station in Sacramento. Um, my YouTube channel from the Google AdSense, this is the stuff that happens from the pre-roll ads on your YouTube channel or the, the stuff that pops up in the side of the videos uh, on the webpage itself. Anyway, mm -hmm. those ads are currently paying me as much as I make in a paycheck at, uh, at, at PBS. 
Well, there you so, go. You're doubled so, your income, and and yeah, it just well, takes yeah, fifty percent higher. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one paycheck as opposed to the two that oh. I get there. But still, it's 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 actually quite a bit, and and it's and it's pretty constant. It's it's, it's kind of reliable. Uh, I get a little bit from uh, from Patreon, which I really enjoy, and then um, and, and thank you guys very much. It seems really, yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, I get a lot of money by simply whoring myself out, which is the best part for Dollar Shave Club and, and, and Squarespace and, and Vikings War of Clans and all that nonsense. Uh, but Those guys will pay me a month's worth of salary for doing one video. But I really like the fact that you're able to at least integrate it in some natural ways. Usually you're tying it into the thing you're making as well. You know what I mean? Or you're, Yes, I try to. You're finding a natural, like, like you know, in, and I'm not making that connection here because I'm not saying it was, uh, but if you were making, you know, the, the Barbasol uh, cryo container of shaving cream, that's a wonderful time to transition to Dollar Shave Club because it's shaving cream, Dollar Shave Club. You know what I mean? Even though they've got their own their own product and their own shave butter, which uh, I used to love using. I still am a member of the Dollar Shave Club, by the way. But, oh, nice. Well, you know, and no hair. Uh, it's a lot of sure. razor use around here. Yeah, there um, you go. So that's interesting. No, it, was, it was great stuff. They sent me their little starter kit. It was great. I, uh, I, um, we only get affiliate links, so good luck. Good for you, pal. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, one of the things I do really, um, really enjoy and love uh, when you do make these things uh, like I said is that you you really seem to make it attainable you know there are other people like I saw somebody that was making a recreation of Maui's hook right and right. and some of it was same some of the things I'd see you do where it's like layered foam and it was great but then it was like getting into different texture paints and carvings and then painting and everything else i'm like there's no way i could do that but almost every one of your builds seems attainable so is that just do you do you take that into consideration when you're making these things or do you feel that your style just naturally already gravitates to more of the uh the easier to achieve uh build types uh my style has gotten to being more of the easier to, easier to achieve build types. I definitely think that way now after do, having done this for a couple of years. And it was definitely a thought. The Starting with DIY Prop Shop, part of the thing behind the scenes was we want to make sure this is a project that somebody in high school could probably do in a weekend. And that was, that was part of the plan for the show. And I, I still kind of do that a little bit. I, I don't stick, stick to that. I still kind of do what I want to do. But yeah, uh, definitely try to keep in mind what is easier to obtain, what is easier to do. Uh, I'm trying to not use crazy toxic stuff that requires, you know, face respirators and 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 paint booths and everything else. You know, this isn't going to give you cancer just because you have to look at it cross-eyed. Dude, by the way, can you please explain to me what the hell is Plastidip? Because I missed the memo on this one. And then suddenly <laughs> I was just hearing about Plast. I'm putting Plastidip on it. Plastidip, Plastidip. Plastidip, Plastidip. Yes, unfortunately, I have yet to get a sponsorship from Plastidip. Hey, guys, how's it going? Um, <laughs> Plastidip originally was made in, uh, jokingly, a Pringles can. And you'd open up the lid and you would take like a pair of pliers or something and dip it into it. And you get that vinyl grip onto the tool. So a regular metal tool takes a couple of dips. That's the way it originally came and I remember seeing that as a kid. So this is, it's an, it's an older product. At some point in time, they started making it into an aerosol can. And so now you can spray it out in a thin layer over stuff, and it bonds really well to the cell structure of foam. 
uh, not just EVA foam, but also a little bit of the uh, of the poly foam, like the stuff you pick up at a fabric store, um, or yoga mats. And uh, it gives it a good skin, and it's flexible, and then spray paint will stick really well to plastic dip, whereas it'll rub off uh, the craft foams. Uh, so it just became this thing to do there. The first place I saw that was actually LARPers making uh, a shield. This guy had made a large wooden shield, but it wasn't. It looked like wood. It was all just you know, thick foam. And he, he did a cutout of a face hugger on it. And then uh, he thinned the, the dipping plastic dip with uh, Natfla and I can't pronounce it right and uh, painted his whole shield down two or three times and then would use the aerosol over it because it's uh, self-solvent. So it kind of eliminated a lot of the brush marks. And then he just painted it with acrylic paints. And he said, yeah, this is how I did this shield. And I've been fighting with it every weekend for two years. Wow. Like, that's the stuff I want to use. Yeah. Well, there is a perfect intermediary sub uh, surface. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm at least caught up on that. So maybe I could make some of this stuff. Maybe. Sure. And there's guys that also spray it on their cars. There's a whole plastic if your car like web channel has been around forever and guys that spray it on their cars. Yeah. I noticed that. So that's yeah. where they get kind of like the flat matte like finish, but with uh, mm -hmm. different colors and textures yep. and different colors and textures and they have pearlizers and they have glossifiers and all sorts of stuff to to do this plastic dip stuff because the the guy's doing it to the cars and then when you're done with your car show you can peel it off and and do something else yeah that's the beautiful part it's like hey you yeah. know that was fun rip let's rip. start over <laughs> like you just ripped a bunch of work off what are you thinking what do you think it's kind of like this mission impossible johnny dangerously thing on your car yeah johnny dangerous wow that's a nice deep pull <laughs> I am handicapped. I'm mentally deranged. Anyway. <laughs> My mother hung me on hook once. Once. Very good. Um, so I guess the other question I would have to ask in relation to all this stuff is when it comes to the average video, like you said, it's uh, the approach is like, you know, a college kid over the weekend. How long does it really take you to put together a video? Because uh, these videos usually clock in somewhere around seven to 10 minutes from my experience. That could be a misinterpretation, but no. they're not very long, but I've also, I've also seen what it goes into just to put together 90 seconds of footage uh -huh. uh, into a final product. So, so realistically, how much time do you put in on the average video? Realistically on the average. Okay. So I will uh, typically have anywhere from a, a fast build will be like six hours most of them are 12 to 15, even up to 18 hours. Uh, and I don't shoot the whole thing at 18 hours, but I shoot most of it. Um, and, and that's just the build. And then uh, I have to take all the footage and bring it into Adobe Premiere and, and bake it down to whatever the length of video is going to be. And I don't try to fit a time limit. I let it go to what it kind of needs to be so it can flow and be entertaining because the majority of the viewers are only watching it for entertainment. Um, that process can take another 20 hours or more. It's usually a couple of days. Uh, I'll spend uh, an evening just writing what the VO is going to be and recording it. It'll take me a couple of hours to, to uh, bake down all the flubs in the VO to get it to where I want. And then uh, you start laying in all the V-roll over it. Uh, one of the things that I do that makes it maybe harder on myself, but also easier on myself, my creative brain doesn't always remember to change the camera angles. I don't think to move the camera to get this next shot. So in my studio, I have the one camera that I look at, and then I have three others arranged on a grid around me. All of them record all the time. And they all record for two and a half hours until the cards fill up. And then I stop what I'm doing, and I go and start dumping that footage into the computer, 
sit, put in a second set of cards and start going again for two and a half hours. So when I'm done, I have four layers of video, maybe even five, uh, 15 hours long on this timeline <laughs> that I need to then scrub through to write my script. You know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about that. And honestly speaking, in my mind, that makes more sense than having to go and reset a shot and then continue just to have the variance of a new angle. So to me, yeah. that completely makes sense. And, and I think the only place you're losing time is just pulling the cards, dumping the footage, and then coming back in. But I, I believe in right. the end, you're probably going to be, you're making up for that time because you're not losing it to reshoots of any kind. Uh, Pretty and, much, yeah. And speaking of which, too, those transition moments, always love while that's drying, let me talk to you about this week's sponsor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're talking about this week's sponsor, yes. <laughs> like, I blended so well. Um, so far, what has been your favorite thing to actually wait before we go there we can talk about your sure. favorite build but like how do you do some of your visual effects because i know uh, like one of the builds that you recently <laughs> did based off of the trailers uh, at the time was the revised ant-man helmet and yes. and in there sure enough like by the end of the video you were you you had the effect and you were shrinking yourself down yep right down to kind of uh, recreating some of that staged uh i don't even know what the effect would be calling it but you know it's 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 almost like you're doing a a, a shrinked uh, opacity of yourself and you keep doing that to kind of recreate that shrinking effect uh oh right how are you how are, how how long does it take you just to do your special effects for some of these opens or closes some of them can take some time that one was 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 a few hours um with the Ant-Man one, there's there's two different shots. I'm standing in my set and I shrink down and then uh, I'm on the table because, you know, whatever, I'm suddenly on the table. Uh, and that was green screen. So um, on the set, I, I just did my thing and then walked out of the out of the frame and got a, a plain plate behind me. Right. The, your back, background plate of, of the clean set in uh, Photoshop. I took the last frame of me trying to shrink down and I just cut it out and then would reduce it by a, a percentage. Uh, and what I would do is I had my, my, my full size and then I did 90% or whatever it was. And I kept the full size behind it and made that the opacity like you're talking about. Cause they kind of do that in the movie. So it sort of replicates the way the shrinking looks in the comics. And that way I got this double or triple layer with, with uh, yeah, to, to shrink it down. Uh, then I just replicated that again once on the green screen, which was much easier because you know it's it's easier to pull it off the green than to mask out all the background. Mm -hmm. And on, onto my cutting mat, did my spiel, and then you know somehow magically blew myself back up, forgetting the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need the helmet because if you don't, it doesn't protect your mind, and you'll go crazy. We learned that. Yeah, from the first but, yeah movie. That, that's in the movie. And the fun thing is because so many people bring that up, it's like. I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt. My hands are exposed. It's like, yeah, good point. Good point. Okay. Fair enough. I'll let you slide on that one. Um, so what has been your favorite thing to build? It's like, and, and I, and I don't mean it could be from, let, let's take it from two points. Sure. One, the creative experience or process. And then okay. what's the other thing too, where you look in your workshop and you're just like, God, I, that was a really good job, man. I, I, I freaking love this thing. One of my favorite things, just because of its size, is the fusion sword from uh, Final Fantasy, which was actually a DIY prop shop build. And also, I'm really happy with it because I was scared to do it to begin with. But it was something that was requested a lot, and I go and look it up. It's like, okay, this could be really cool, but 
is it going to sag? Is it going to wobble? Anyway, so uh, that was one I was really happy with. On my channels, um, it's always kind of the most recent thing you did, right? Because that's easy to remember. I really enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy blaster that I made out of bird feeders, uh, <laughs> which is on the wall behind me. If I have enough cord, I can try and get it. <laughs> but this was uh, scratch-built from uh, items I picked up from Winco and a couple of flashlights. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> See, but look at it. It looks gorgeous. Thank you. Right the idea was like, this is something that Rocket could have made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, sometimes when you get into some of these things and you're like, and now, uh, and then I'm going to put this uh, here for the electronics, and I'm like, bro, you lost me. Electronics. <laughs> like like the one time, there, oh, was, yeah. there was a special video you did where you were helping to build a custom um, lightsaber for somebody. And right. it was just like, uh, oh, now we're getting into stuff being inside of the handle, and I just don't know about that. And there you go. Look at that. There you go. Yes, yeah, so you can see this build on Beyond Geek. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, for sure. There's uh, actually the electronics are not my strong point. That's the thing I struggle with the most. <laughs> so, so I guess really when I when I freak out by seeing them in your build, realistically speaking, I should just be relaxing because I'm knowing if if Odin can make it, maybe Will can too. Then, hopefully, I try not to hide anything when I'm when I'm building it. And most of the time, a lot of my electronics, all I'm really doing is taking a cheap flashlight and rewiring a new switch on it. <laughs> yeah, all I'm doing. <laughs> And I've done that on some things, too. It's just like, okay, so all I'm going to do is I've got this thing here. So now, uh, well, that wire did seem to go there, and this wire seemed to go here. So I think this might work here. And somehow it does. Like, I think um, the only thing that I made of any interest, uh, fabrication-wise, and I don't even think it still exists in the house, uh, but one year my daughter was Maleficent from the movie. Oh. And remember, she had a very like stick-like, um, uh, not one, yeah, staff. Uh, okay. And uh, and and then the head of it too would glow. So I ended up getting like a series of of battery-operated twinkle lights, and I filled a. I, I ended up creating the top out of actually a, an empty Christmas ornament, and I just filled it with several different uh, lightweight. It's like fake ice crystals, and then the twinkle lights were in there, and it did an amazing effect. But sure enough, that was another thing, too. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to take the light switch out, and now I'm going to put it over here, and I'm going to hook up these wires, and I'm going to cross my fingers, and son of a gun, it worked. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was one of her favorite costumes, thankfully. So, uh, And somehow the stick awesome. made it throughout the night. But, you know, I don't I don't really think like that. But then, you know, like uh, with your with your Thor helmet, too, um, I, I think one of the things that, at least in some of the other builds too, I'm like, you know, I just don't have a paper machete head of myself laying around, Odin. So right, no, I, I know a lot of people don't. So one of the things that I try to do, especially with the Thor's helmet and a lot of these others, is when I make a pattern, I'll actually post it in the description or in the comments of the video so anybody can download it and, and do it as well. Uh, and, and I'll often try to include a way of measuring your own head versus my giant noggin and be able to figure out what percentage you need to print your uh, your patterns at so it'll actually fit you. Yeah, but bro, I think based on my head versus your head, I can go 100 solid. You know, <laughs> I could just Probably. like... I can take your patterns and make them my own, man. Yes, you could. <laughs> um, I just don't have a big need for an Ant-Man helmet. That's my problem. Oh, yeah. I have seen some awesome Ant-Man helmets pulled off of my pattern, which I think is great because people will give, uh, attribute me on like Instagram saying, hey, here's my thing. And 
some of this stuff is really good. And I was super impressed with the number of people who modified it to make the wasp. Which oh, is yeah, very good similar, call. But different. And recently, somebody posted a picture. The, there were two different Hellboys in the same picture. There was one Hellboy and then a Hell Girl. She just gender bent Hellboy. Both of them using my arm pattern. And then they both fully doing their own costumes. They look fabulous. It was, it was, there's fabulous. Oh, sorry. It was, <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those astonishing things. You look at it and go, holy heck, they did it. And, yeah. and, and, and they're giving me credit for the arm. And, you know, it, this is amazing. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing, too, is you, in a way, you were their Sherpa, their guide. You helped them get there. They wouldn't have even been able to have this if it weren't for your guidance. So in a way you're, it's, it's just the, the classic scenario of the teacher passing on the knowledge and then the student becoming the teacher. So, yeah. you know, your part and, and really exactly. honestly, you know, for people like me, uh, because I'm one where if I do a Halloween costume, I get really, really aggravated if I can't get as screen accurate as I possibly can. Like, I did a Willy Wonka costume, and I'm ordering specially ordered painted uh, material off of the internet just so I can make a near, you know, photo quality vest that has the similar flower pattern. And and I'm like, what's wrong with me? But then somebody like you comes along, and, and you make it so that people can't, like, if you want to be Ash... Uh, from Ash versus uh, the Evil Dead or from the Evil Dead 2 or uh, I'm thinking Army of Darkness, actually. That's it's right up there behind you the whole time. The uh, the arm uh, chainsaw, which interestingly enough, folks, none of it's a chainsaw. Just so you no. know. <laughs> none of it's a chainsaw. No, it's a mixed nuts container from Costco with a closet rod that you can hold on to. And it's wrapped with foam and the, the chainsaw itself, uh, the blade is plastic and PVC handles. And I made the the pool chain for the starter from a key minder, like a security guard has. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it all, but it all works. And it and all I, works. <laughs> and I was thinking about that too, as I was walking, like it, it's, it's weird to say this, but when I was walking around San Diego Comic-Con this year, I thought about you when I would see some of these intricately made costumes. Like I saw this one guy with retractable wings in a, in a Hawkman oh. costume. And I was just like, well, you spent a lot of time there, but the thing that I thought, too, when I saw that is, you know, if that were based off something Odin made, I at least know it would be lightweight and manageable because you wouldn't be burdened by, like, your your cap shields or, or the gigantic sword behind you. These look like heavy things, and they're foam, so they're lightweight yeah. and usable. Absolutely. That, that is actually one of the things I specifically do is keep in mind somebody's going to want to carry this around potentially all day at a con. And if it's heavy, they're going to set it down. But if it's lightweight, they'll actually hold on to it, continue to pose with it. I get comments all the time. It's like, oh, but it's not made out of metal. Like, Have you picked up a metal Thor's hammer? Do you want to carry around a 20-pound metal Thor's hammer? No, I've got one out of yoga blocks that weighs a pound. I can carry it around all day and have. And it's got a handle, so it's not weighing it's your hand down if you want to use that. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> throw the wrist strap on. It doesn't matter. And, no, it's and, great. and you can throw it around as carefree as, as the, the virtual one does in the movie, you know? <laughs> exactly. And uh, for the most part, everything will pass uh, the weapons test because they'll have a, a safety test almost every con does uh, to make sure that it's it's safe to bring in. Some cons will still, even with the things I do, will say no. They all have their own rules. But for the most part, what I do will pass most safety tests. Um, I have to tell you, I'm not wearing them right now because we had dinner right before you and I got started. Um, currently, right. I'm in a uh, an, an orthodontia program. Uh, ah. This tooth up here was endangering others, and so they had to pull it. So then to not make me look like an inverted redneck, 
uh, I'm going through, uh, I say Invisalign, but it's the clear correct program. So, you know, it's like clear braces. Uh, right. But I have to tell you, my wife made fun of me because I explicitly thought of you back when we were fabricating the, the fangs one Halloween uh, behind the space bar. And, um, and I, I'll just, I never will forget because they, you know, I've got these acrylic trays now. And the very uh -huh. first thing I thought of is like, well, when I get my final trays, that's going to be the final resting place of my teeth. I'll now have a negative of my teeth and I can make a positive and I can make, I can make my custom fangs and my wife could, oh, you dork. And yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to do that if it weren't for you. So thank you. <laughs> so let me ask you though, uh, because a lot of people don't have a bust of their own head, what is the right. what is the easiest, least expensive non asphyxiation method I could go to to making a recreation of my own dome? Of your own dome. Well, since you got a giant dome like me, um, you can get a styrofoam head uh, from hobby shops and and wig shops and stuff. And they have both male and female heads. And the male head is a bit more anatomical looking the female one's kind of like a cross between a woman and a gray alien um you just have to pad it up if you were to take that and then add eva to it eva foam or or anything else in order to get it to be the right diameter of your head or circumference that's kind of what you're what you're stuck with doing um other things you can do uh if you're not worried not worried about associations put a bag over your head well, you do that, but you give yourself a way to breathe. And then you wrap it up with uh, with duct tape. It's actually an old, I, I do it all the time in the show, and it's an old boot maker's method for, for like Renaissance bears. They'll wrap up um, uh, a foot in a sock with duct tape and then cut it off, and you've got a pattern for what the foot is. And I've seen dress forms made the same way over someone's body. You wear a T-shirt or a leotard, wrap it up with duct tape or something similar, and then you cut it off and you know the dimensions of the body. So okay, you can actually wait. do that with your head. So have I seen this then when you kind of, you know, for safety reasons, you kind of do the, the first half of the face and then you do the second half of the face, that method. And, and I know you got a bag over your head, but I mean, you're like going at two different areas so you can breathe the whole time. But literally just like a plastic bag and duct tape, huh? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You need to be careful about mashing in rounds so you can actually get the shape of your head. And you're not going to get a, a detail off of your face. You're not going to get... You know, you're not going to be able to, to, to make makeup off of it. Uh, but even in your costume, you're going to need to breathe. So if you're doing the full face and you make sure you have space for your nose to breathe or you're, you know, got a nice big straw or something you're going to breathe through, um, it'll still work because you'll have the shape of your head to make whatever crazy helmet you wanted to make. Ooh, here's a good question that I have. This is a practical okay. one, too. So if you have something like an Ant-Man costume or a helmet, right. what do you do to stop from fogging up the lenses? uh hope and pray let's okay. see uh <laughs> actually one of the things i've heard is uh paint it with uh, liquid dish detergent and let it dry someone recently told me that that worked really well for the inside of their lenses for their costume oh uh, yeah uh if you can just make sure you got some vents around it like uh i've got enough of a brow that when i put on wrap around terminator sunglasses uh I'll, I'll make a connection to my brow and it'll fog up so i have to pull them out a little bit and then I get a, just enough airflow through that the lenses won't fog up. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, because that was always a big, like in my youth, I guess I shouldn't say I never fabricated anything. There was a, a long no. period where I was doing a lot to try and make like Spider-Man style uh, masks. Uh, mostly. Yes, I remember you, remember you telling me a story about how you're telling your mother, no, you're doing it wrong, mom. It's not just a grid. It all radiates from the nose. And 
she like throws it to you and says, "Here, fine, you do it." Yeah, that's that's that was my introduction to learning how to sew because it's just like <laughs> screw that. Um, but I know with like the Venom style costume, uh, I was using at that time it was like plastic from uh, from like report covers uh, oh, along yeah. with window tint uh reflective window tint over it so i get a mirrored look but you know that was one problem i always had just the uh, the eyes would always fog up so mm-hmm. that was a bit of a bummer but you know i uh i always enjoyed trying to make costumes but i've never been able to make anything intricate i know this year my wife uh would really like to see me be charlie brown which is easy cuz it's just cargo shorts and the yellow shirt with the zigzag but then right. i'm thinking do I just want to draw on the squiggle or do I want to do just a small latex appliance with a wire so it's part of the hair that comes up and so that way it kind of achieves that 3D floating that we see in the cartoons? Uh, you could. What if you were to take, you're talking about latex. If you can get a hold of liquid latex, you could add ink to it or you know anything else if you want, but ink is easy. So you can tint your latex black and then paint a pipe cleaner. Oh. And then glue that onto your head. Very good. See? I... <laughs> Look at that, folks. I didn't even have to pay for it. This guy makes money doing this stuff, too. Um, but it was interesting to, for me to hear. So so your channel is independent, then. You're not one of those people. Because I know there was a trend, and I'm probably dating myself now to uh, prior to when you were engaged. But, you know, there used to be a time where it seemed more like it was content uh, not even content companies, it was like media companies were right. sponsoring or buying channels. So they would, yeah. they would establish a make good value that the person would get paid no matter what. And they just had to meet certain obligations, but that's not the case with right. you. You're no. So when, when people, when like a dollar shave club does want to advertise, do you have representation for that? Or do they just solicit you openly? Both. I do actually have representation now. Uh, I was fully independent and still basically am. I have complete control over my content. I did end up signing with uh, a group called Studio 71. They are a old school talent agency from Hollywood that went on to do uh, YouTube people. Uh, They actually came to me. And so I investigated a little bit and talked to a couple of friends who were with them. And it's like, okay, sure. Uh, They have the clout to pull in larger, uh, larger things like Dollar Shave Club. Uh, and also they are working on getting my content put onto other platforms, which in a way I could do, um, cause it's not, it's not totally closed like Amazon and Hulu, but they're doing it in international, uh, countries, which I wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Gotcha. So it's a whole nother small revenue stream that I just wasn't open to before. Uh, but for the most part, I still get individuals just directly coming to me, uh, Brokers, I guess, is what you would call it. People saying, "Hey, I, I want you to do this video game, and it does this," or, you know, like the there was the the people that want me to do the drill. Uh, there was a some cordless drill. I can't remember what it's called now, mm. but they sent me one. Want me to do a review on? It. It's like, okay, sure. And and I still get a lot of those, and a lot of it's really weird. And not, you know, I don't do cosmetic makeup on my show. I don't. I'm not yeah. going to do this. But, uh, yeah. Well, you can always tell the ones you don't need to return the response. Hi, love content on your YouTube channel. I have amazing offer for you. Share with your audience. It's like, yes. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or like the sumo chair people. I, I don't even know what their chairs are about, but, you know, I see a few of those every once in a while. Oh, okay. uh, not for my content, for somebody else's guy I work for. Let's not talk about it. Right. Um, actually, that is kind of weird. Uh, those that don't know, um, you know, part of the reason. 
uh, I have been attributed some of the things I have is because I have been a fan of Kevin Smith and, and eventually was able to work for him. And it's funny because, you know, it's not like I've been in contact with Odin over the two decades since we uh, got to know each other. Uh, but really, it, it's weird because, you know, you saw me as this guy that uh, was a fan of Kevin Smith's and then, let's be honest, finagled Play TV into covering my costs for a trip to go to a screening of Dogma. Yes. And, and quite and, wise of you. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you see an opportunity, you grab it. Um, I waited in line for Star Wars. There you go. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, you know, I was always a fan. And then, you know, I'm sure, like, from your perspective, it's like, wow, Will's working for Kevin now. How'd that happen? Yeah, um, I, I was amazed by that and quite pleased. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, but it's, it's externally speaking, it's got to be weird kind of to see that come full circle. It's like, how did that happen? I don't even know how that, honestly speaking, I don't either. It's a, a series of fortunate events is what it was and we'll stick with it. Um, but, exactly what it is. but you know, I even if I didn't have that, I would still be limping along, probably along the same independent channels I had been working at before, but it, it does my heart good to see people that I know that are good people that do good things actually making it. And I have always enjoyed your videos, but seeing the traction that they get just makes me so happy for you. Uh, not only that your work is being seen and appreciated, but but also knowing that it helps bring you some some additional income and, and survivability in this world. You know, if nothing oh, else, sure. money you could tuck away or or invest. I'm sure a lot of it probably went into like the three cameras running simultaneously. It's like, okay, we're gonna need a camera here, here, and here. Now that we got some dough, let's get the new cameras. Bring them in here now. Right, um, and 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 also goes into things like I'm actually paying for Adobe products now. After years and years and years of having cracked versions, I'm actually paying for Adobe finally. You know, well, I'm making money with it. <laughs> well, you know, they they did finally make it so that it wasn't such a. I don't want it to see so easy. <laughs> I don't. I, well, no, I I want to say that they they put it they made it ach more achievable. You know what I mean? It wasn't that okay, it was yeah. you were it wasn't that you were going to be spending six hundred ninety five dollars on Adobe Photoshop and seven hundred ninety eight dollars on Adobe Premiere. Now, hey, for fifty bucks, you get access to everything, and mm -hmm. and here are the tools here, and it's just like, you know, at that point, you're like, okay, yeah, okay, so I'm spending six hundred dollars a year, but right. now I've got like it's uh, like everything and all the updates yeah, yeah whenever you need them so that part is fantastic so yeah i uh <clears throat> i you know kind of the same boat as you were there yeah <laughs> for the longest time uh but yeah it, it, it does afford you certain things like that what do you think um i don't even there's we can't even speculate yet we haven't so captain marvel's helmet you saw that that right. looked cool that uh, looked cool. I love the underwater shots with with the face mask part of it and everything else. That was my favorite thing. What are, what are you, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to making soon that you can talk about? Uh, well, currently, uh, right now, I'm working on an axe that's actually from uh, Magic the Gathering, and this is a crossover episode with Adrian's channel, Popaganda. Do you remember Adrian, the editor from Play? Oh, yes, sir. I do, I do. Get yes. <laughs> He's, can I just tell you, and this is going to sound strange, Adrian is one of the people that frightens me the most because <laughs> he, his mind was so powerful. He was so okay. smart, it, it just intimidated the hell out of me. There's okay, no other yeah. way to put that. I mean, when you, when you find out a guy has long-distance chess games with his dad over the phone, 
uh-huh. they're just talking about positions and they're remembering game pieces. And we're not talking about like, oh, they're doing it in a real time setting. I mean, they could spend time here, folks. Like it's you know days, and you're remembering the uh, the guy had an amazing mind and an amazing talent. So so, but that's good to hear. It's nice to know crossovers are happening still. I um, yes. I don't know. Uh, I guess you're probably going to be just watching for the whatever the Avengers Four trailer is going to be and pulling something from there as well. Pretty much, yeah. There's a weird line I get to walk now with what I'm doing between seeing too many spoilers and kind of ruining the movie and trying to do my channel because <laughs> I, I don't really like spoilers. <laughs> I can appreciate that now. I used to be very obsessive about wanting to know things and needing to have the answers, but. Uh, and I've said this ad nauseum as well, but I think that the Avengers Infinity War trailer finally taught me the lesson that we can't believe anything that we see in the trailers anyway, so right. stop hanging on them so much. Because, you know, like, the the scene where uh, Star-Lord is telling him that, you know, uh, you, you got a good plan, uh, mine's better, blah, 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 whatever the line is, right. I can't remember it. Yeah. And in the the trailer, it's just them. In the movie, Doctor Strange is going through 14 million 500 and whatever it is, iterations looking into the future. Um, and, and also, like, the uh, Infinity War trailer showed us the Hulk. No, it was the Hulkbuster costume. There was no right. Hulk really in the movie. Not at all. And they're doing that with Thor Ragnarok. All the scenes in Thor Ragnarok trailers, he had two eyes. Yeah, but of course, he lost one on the Rainbow Bridge. And so it's like, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, Which you know, is good for them. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad they're doing that. That's that's good. Well, it helps. <laughs> it helps maintain balance and it gives us something to look forward to. Not to mention some of the scenes we even see in the trailers are actually alt cuts that don't make the final print. So a lot of them. Yeah. Um, boy, I got to tell you, man, uh, I had a hell of a time talking to you tonight. I hope we <laughs> we got out everything you wanted to get out because. Yeah, we, we, we went an hour. We actually still did an hour, even though... <laughs> not that, I, not that <laughs> I try and time it in, but, you know, it's also getting late, and I work an East Coast schedule, unfortunately. Oh, uh, wow, okay. But I, but I, I can't tell you how many... Uh, I, I'm sure it is oh. now collectively hours of entertainment you have brought me just Thank watching you. you build things. And and I have to say that uh, the, the one thing I struggle with on a daily basis... Uh, whenever I see one of your videos is making sure I don't instantly contact you and ask, can you make me one too? Cause I'm sure you get that all the time, all the time. I, I get a lot of like, do you take commissions? It's like, well, honestly, no, because I can make more money making a new video than doing a commission for 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, make your own foam gauntlet. Will you already? Yeah. It's look, I, I showed you how to do it. Just yeah, do here it. it is. But then again, you have, you do have certain, uh, things, uh, bits of experience that some of us just don't have. Like I can watch right. you do an aging technique time and time again but when it comes down to it if i were to get the paints and the sponge i'm not sure i could do the same level of detail that you're able to bring in in, in I, oddly making something look old and used <laughs> there there is a bit of an art to it and there's actually a lot of channels i mean i would highly recommend watching adam savage do any of his aging or bill durham at punish props or or uh, evil ted smith with evil ted's channel they all do a lot of really good stuff too uh i do go through the painting a little bit quicker sometimes um and and i've been doing a lot of the shoe polish stuff which came from cosplay chris but um 
I've been doing that longer than anything else. A lot of the stuff that I do came from painting miniatures for Warhammer 40K. I've oh, just wow. scaled those techniques up. <laughs> yeah, nice. it totally works. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't know how to make anything look distressed or old, but it's funny you bring that up because uh, Adam, uh, I think, I, I guess yeah, I love watching what he does, but I also enjoy the way he brings some fun to other things as well. Like when he was, um, he always goes to Comic-Con in, in an undisclosed costume and yes, you does. don't know who it is. And so for me, that was part of the fun of going to con this year was just looking around wondering, it's like, okay, is he out there and what's he in? And, and it, the one day I saw a costume. I had it wrong. I think it was an original astronaut costume or and I thought it was like a deep sea uh, the deep sea ghost from Scooby Doo. Uh, kind of looks like that. Yeah, the one he did this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but I, but I did at least see him. So I felt better after the fact that I did get to see him even though I didn't get to interact with him. And I didn't have him pegged awesome. at the time, but I did think when I saw that I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." I'm like, "That could be him." Any costume where you can't tell who's in there, you're like, "That could be him." The giant porg walking around, pretty sure not him. You know what I mean? I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, name no. one. No. Uh, although I will say, too, that he I do. He's a Totoro, but he's not going to do a porg. <laughs> yeah. I also do appreciate the work people put into costumes, and that's something you have done for the longest time. Um, and and having gone to con this year, I definitely have a higher level of appreciation for the people that do what I call fabricating their costumes because, you know, it, it's, it seems very easy to spend a little bit of money and get a pre-printed uh, Spider-Man homecoming bodysuit. So now you're instantly, you've got a screen-accurate costume. Pretty much, yeah. But, you know, you've got none of the, the real texture or, or anything else. There's no 3D quality to it. It's just all on you. Whereas, I, like, I to my dying day, unless uh, something goes wrong in the processor we call my brain, I will remember that Guar costume, sir, because... <laughs> Guar was, uh, first of all, one of the freakiest things I had ever seen in music video at first. And then it was just like mere weeks uh, or months later where suddenly I see you walking around in a Guar costume. It's like, oh, my God. At Rocky Horror Picture Show. I remember that. That movie theater is currently an empty field. Oh, really? Everything's yeah, just... Yeah, the one you saw me at, the e second. Everything's yep. just demolished and gone. Just demolished and gone. You know, but they're... no, thank you. The Guar costume was great. Uh, and, and fun... Full circle weird things. It was uh, earlier this year, I started getting an email from somebody from Slave Pit. And they were uh, talking to me about how they're doing all their guar costumes. And on occasion, they'll reference my channel for working on their guar suits. It's like, what? There you go, man. <laughs> Dude, it all comes full circle. And, and I... and. And like even when uh, we would, I would make the Twitter announcements trying to get this set up that you know, or on the show I would mention that you were coming up. Like I had people reach out to me saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're going to have Odin on," and I'm like, "You, yeah, of course. Why? He's got millions of viewers. You would definitely know who he is before you would know I who I am." <laughs> Um, and and, and yeah, the, but I know who you are. You do. It's, I don't I know do. why anymore. I mean, I would have forgotten me a long I've time been ago. I in your house when you weren't home. Yeah. Oh, wait, that sounds weird. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> you were in the garage. That's totally okay, different, yeah, dude. That's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to let somebody in your garage. It's another thing it to is. let them in your home. 
But realistically, I did. I can't, and that's why I feel for you now because you are currently in your your workspace with a fan going on you. And I used yep. to be that guy. I mean, we we almost hit triple digits still, even during this time of year. So I yeah. can imagine it's balmy and uncomfortable. So I, I appreciate you enduring through all this. Oh, uh, for sure. It's a lot of night shoots. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and yeah, especially when you got a day job, right? It's kind of oh, like, yeah. So it, when we think about it, it's like, okay, well, if he could do like up to about eight, let's say eight hours of video, well, technically speaking, that's probably at least two to three evenings putting it together. Oh, and, for sure. And then your edit assembly. So realistically, you know, it's it's not like, oh, you know, he's just making that YouTube money. No, you, you're doing almost a full-time job for part-time oh. wages. Yes, in order to, to get it done, especially when you compare it. I, I mean, well, you know, it's like 50% of your current job. I'm not saying that's part-time. Never mind. I've just dug myself no, in a hole. No, I, I hear you. Because yeah, I'm putting in 80 hours, 100 hours in, into a video. And then over the period of the month, I get one uh, paycheck's worth from, from Google. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. So it's a lot of effort. Um, but, you know, at, at least you you have the, the, the satisfaction of knowing the stuff around you is yours. You know, it's not like I made yeah. the Iron Man or Spidey head that are behind me. Those are definite products that my wife and, and children surprised me with, uh, which well, I was awesome. love to add them. Well, I mean, come on. How great is it for a background? You know, and I've got sonic screwdrivers behind my head. I would never have superhero stuff behind, my, behind me as a background. Why would I do that? Well... <laughs> Well, actually, you know what? You could, I could, you have a valid point though, because <laughs> everything you've got, you've made. It's your artistic interpretation. Oh, I've okay, got, yeah. I've got licensed content on the wall behind me that is not licensed. The only license I have is the fact that I bought it and I can use it. That's it. But it's right. not like I can. I mean, there, there may come. I no, there will never come a day where anyone's coming at me. But realistically, I mean, no. like I, I would have to take these down if I so choose, but. Well, maybe I, I think there's a certain amount of uh, leeway that they they allow us to have being on the internet, and being being the fans, because um, even me making stuff and making patterns to show how to make stuff, realistically, they could come after me. Uh, well, I'm but, so glad you pointed that one out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't think they will, because I think feeding the fandom is is uh, part of their marketing strategy, you know, or or at least is something they're aware of. And so they balance what they're going to be worried about versus what they're going to go after. Uh, and, and what I'm doing and what everyone's doing at cons, that's fine. Whatever. These are the fans. These are the people we want to make happy versus the guys who are turning out 600 of them and putting them in boxes and trying to sell them. That's the person you want to go after. Yeah. Plus, you know, like from from their perspective as well, if you're building Captain America's shield or you're building Ant-Man's helmet or anything else, you're now Google AdSense optimized for an Ant-Man and the Wasp on home video ad running on your your yeah. channel or or the other or those type of things. So, you know, you're, you're and definitely I've seen those comments on my video. Oh, really? People, yeah. Pe people watching the Infinity Gauntlet. It's like, I got the Infinity Gauntlet, you know, the Infinity War trailer. Yeah. So it happens. And that's the, cool. But that's the way it should be. So that's that's the synergy that helps keep it alive for you, man. Yes, um, it's great. Well, I, again, sir, uh, you bring me uh, entertainment uh, time and time again. I love watching these builds. And Thank one you. of the things that I, I, I love is that I'm, I'm, I'm able to say that I'm honored to have known you uh, for all these years and seeing you playing to your strengths. Uh, only you. only makes me uh, that much happier for you. So even though uh, I was the most obnoxious prick back then, I, I hope you enjoyed this experience today. 
You know, I didn't think of you as being an obnoxious prick back then. Well, you must have been you one too, and nobody nerd. told you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, no, it was totally cool. It was you were you were a lot of fun to work with, and I and I enjoyed your humor, and I enjoyed your enthusiasm for weird things like the Blur Witch Project. Oh my gosh! Well, you know the. <laughs> Not everyone gets to see it the way I did, which kind of enhanced the freakiness of it. Because I, oh, yeah. I, I ended up getting somebody streaming it to me through the internet on a private channel, and just sitting in my in, at that time too. It's like, oh my god, I, what again? What was I thinking? But DSL to DSL, it worked. But I was just right. watching it on the computer monitor in an already dark room. Not the best choice. <laughs> uh, but you know, I uh, that was the thing that that environment definitely did. Was it? It let us it. <sighs> That was play incorporated was the age of the geek before it became chic still. Okay. We, we hadn't okay. crossed that threshold yet. So no. not only was play incorporated an amazing concept in itself, uh, not only was Paul Montgomery an amazing motivator, uh, and enabler, uh, but it was, it really was an environment where you just felt it was okay to be you. There was no shame in loving Star Wars or superhero movies or comic books or, you know, and, and else esoteric and weird. Yes. There was a guy that was uh, on staff. He used to write the, um, the port games. So the Atari 2600 cartridge would come out. Well, he'd write the code in order for that game to be played on the television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's not every day you get to go to a work environment where you've got a recreation of like a round table uh, pizza or a pizza hut or whatever it was is uh, the break yeah. room. <laughs> yes, and, that was that was crazy to do. <laughs> it, it's almost and in some ways it's almost sad to me that uh, that it, it kind of had to end the way it did. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's just like one of those things where one guiding light or vision kind of left and and in the void something else transpired um and and I, i'm sure in the end there was some bad blood but uh still you learn just to look beyond those items and instead you just think back on all the cool things that, that occurred and happened you know like it's mm -hmm. not every day you get to go to where your workplace where at the like literally we were set up in an area that used to be, I think, the assembly and loading area Correct. for the for the Trinity product until it was moved to another location. So a larger one, yeah. So we basically were working in two large sound stages, is what we would is what they were and what we turned them into. And okay. one of them was the the actual sound stage with scaffolding and, and like two to three set areas set up. But the other side was where our office our offices were. <laughs> And, and right. all of our desks and everything else were made up from the other things that were fabricated to look cool for other stuff, whether it was uh, a display desk at a trade show or your intergalactic bar that was sitting at the very end of the room all the time. All the time. It was made for <laughs> one Christmas party we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least it got some. Whatever happened to that bar, man? Uh, I believe it was disassembled when, 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 when play finally folded. Uh, we pulled a lot of the pieces off. I think I've got some of the parts from the from the still on it, but it was pretty much just thrown away. Uh, it was a set, and it got struck. Yeah, that's but, what. It, uh, that's what. One happens. of the guys helped me build it. I'm still friends with him. And uh, and like, didn't Carl Miller have an entire uh, replica? Um, yeah, he did. Actually, it was for Warp Eleven or for the Prime Directive or something. Somebody uh -huh. somebody built a, a, a like a Star Trek style uh, bridge. Yeah. And and that was housed in there. Yeah. You don't know who built that? Well, I'm sure you were one of the people behind it. I, yes. I wasn't one of the 
built it. I was the one that championed to build it. <laughs> oh my god! How did you sell that one? Uh, I took one of the old AMT model kits and uh, actually made a maquette, made a small scale model of here. We could do it like this, and and it will fit in the space that we've got without having to change anything else out. You know, and all um, I need is a bunch of gray paint and some particle board. That's all I need. Yeah, pretty much. I need, yeah, I need plywood and I need gray paint and I need, and I need like some uh, a week. And and that's exactly about what I got. I, I think I had a budget of a thousand dollars. I worked on it. Robert Paletti worked on it, and there was a couple of other trade show guys. Uh, uh, I almost remember their names, but I don't, which is really sad. Uh, and and the four of us worked on it. I was there almost the whole time. Uh, Paletti was there most of the time and, and yeah, we built this bridge set that was about 22 feet in diameter. It didn't have, uh, it didn't have the helm station. It didn't have a captain's chair and helm and navigation. What it had was just the captain's couch. We made the chair double size because the, the idea was it was two guys on a couch. So that way Carl and Aaron could both sit on, on the captain's couch. And then the rest of the stations were all around them with the working turbo lift doors. Yes. And, yes. and, and, and that is. Folks, when you get to go to work and you see that kind of thing sitting there, that's just that's what that is. Is that's movie magic, and you that don't you don't get that typically in Rancho Cordova in Sac in the Sacramento area. No, um, you don't. <laughs> and and that's why it was like realistically speaking, I don't think I would have been brave enough to make some of the choices I've made in life if it hadn't been for my time at play and for my brief exposure to Paul Montgomery because. Uh, not only was, were his words motivational, not only was his guidance fantastic and his energy amazing, but unfortunately his early passing also gave me an appreciation for the fact that nothing in life is guaranteed. So you got to do right. what you can when you can. So, um, I agree with you completely. Yep. So anyway, uh, but enough waxing poetic. Uh, unfortunately, we've all got lives to get back to, and that axe isn't going to build itself. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll just wrap this up here, and thank you again so much, sir. And, and like uh, oh, Odin said, just go to odinmakes.com uh, to go ahead and connect with his YouTube channel. Uh, also, you can find him on Patreon. But please uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, and, and this is so stupid with my <laughs> limited audience saying go watch Odin Makes. But at least if you get even five more people out of the million views you do. <laughs> I I just I feel like a bucket of water being thrown into the ocean. Really, when I say this, but you know, it's I I, I but just every bucket helps. I you know, realistically speaking, I just wanted to be able to have the chance to talk to you again because uh, you are one of those people. Like you, you do, you are in my mind, and not just as a passing memory. Like there are, like when I was uh, looking at building in my office here, I have I have an LCD projector. And I don't have the fear of doing things like using blackout curtains and uh, one-by-ones to build a, a media screen uh, because of some of the things I learned from you. I know how to use... Sweet. I know how to use a router because of Odin. You know, oh I, wow, okay. So, so I can I can put a curved edge on a desk if I had to. You know what I mean? Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you know, uh, some of the things that I picked up just from watching you it carried on, and, and like I said too, you know, you've you've sort of been this pinnacle in my mind for any time I think about something nerdy I want to build. Uh, I well. I, that kind of came out wrong, but, but yeah, anytime there's something I want to build or recreate, it's like, I always think to myself, I bet you Odin's made something like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you very much. I, I, I can say a lot of the same. I, I've really enjoyed seeing uh, a lot of your tweets and and you working with Kevin Smith and and just if you, you you kept popping back up with like we, we parted ways and didn't see anything for a few years. I was like, oh yeah, there's Will. That's cool. And and I'll still see uh, Brian Mallow and Rebelstoke Jen pop up from time to time too. There you and go. It's all, it's all a lot of fun. Just like bad pennies, we keep turning up. Yes. <laughs> and 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 I was pushing real hard to come down to you and actually do this in your in your set live with you. Why? Cuz I want to hang out with you. Yeah, still- and and you know what? It, let's not let's not disqualify that. That is definitely potentially in the future cuz realistically speaking, even though like really I could move some monitors over and there could be a, a seat right there. Uh honestly speaking though, I just live like a pig and this needs to be cleaned up. But uh it's gotten tidier. I at least have uh, more desk space at at, at my leisure uh, than I did before. Uh now it's all just kind of shoved under the monitors, but that wasn't my intention. Sure. <laughs> I totally get it. All of us who 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 project a, an image onto the internet, yeah, this is the clean part. The part behind the cameras piles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one day I'll clean out the garage again. Maybe move out there. Who knows? But anyway, who knows? thank you very much for your time, sir. I, oh, it you're was, very welcome. I've enjoyed myself. I I have as well. And, and please remember, folks, OdinMakes.com. Quick and easy. Check out his videos. Like one of my favorites. Like I said, the Ant Man helmet is a, a hoot to watch. Seeing him build the uh, the incubator, actually the face hugger one. If you can catch the DIY prop shop and then his uh, his video for making the uh, face hugger as well, uh, they are just thoroughly enjoyable, especially if, if you are of that area era. And uh, Aliens itself was a movie that impacted you. I always look forward to the things you're going to make because, like I said, it gives me hope that if I wanted to or if I had the time, I could make them too. So thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you. And until- thank you very much for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure, sir. Even though you know. I- it really goes better the other way, but thank yeah, you. Well. <laughs> uh, until next time, folks, my name is Will. My name is Odin. And this has been another edition of NetHeads on, uh, oh, and we'll be back. And then Trent would say soon, and then I hit this button. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins and Trent Hunsaker signing off. Oh. I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. Netheads. Netheads. We'll be back soon. Goodbye. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.